This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here, no Uriah tonight, but that's okay. We got a really fun exercise that we're going to do in tonight's podcast. We're going to go over the play rankings that just came up on the site today. Today is Sunday. We're recording Sunday evening. And Chris, go ahead and do introduce our rankings. And then what we're going to do is we're going to compare our list to the finish list because you did an average of the list, right, of everybody that contributed that you did an average of that. Yeah. So for longtime listeners of the pod or followers of the website, you kind of know the drill. We've done this before. We do it twice a season. Um, We ranked every player currently on the roster for the article that we have posted on the site. We had six different contributors give us their lists and I averaged them together. That was our composite ranking for the site. What we're going to do, I'll read that list and then Lucas and I will go down in groups of three from 17 to one um, and just kind of talk through our personal lists. But I'll read off the list here from the site first. Starting at number one, it was Joel Embiid. I will just say spoiler ahead of time. That was the only consensus pick, obviously. Joel at number one, uh, Ben Simmons at number two, Tobias Harris at number three, Seth Curry at number four, Danny Green at number five, Matisse Thibel at number six, Tyrese Maxey at number seven. I would say those two were very close. Andre Drummond at eight. Furkan Korkmaz at nine. George Niang at 10. Shake Milton at 11. Paul Reed at 12. Isaiah Joe at 13. Jaden Springer at 14. Charles Bassey at 15. Brent Riller at 16. And then Aaron Henry at 17. So that is our composite ranking for the site. Everyone's averaged together. Lucas, we'll go down our list. We'll start with 17 through 15. Uh, do you want to? You want to do 17 and 16? Well, Chris, do you want to do 17 and 16 just because those are the two two weight players, and then we can go by threes afterwards with no like odd number at the end. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. So 17, yeah. 16. What do you got? So. So I got Aaron Henry at 17 and Grant Riller at 16. The bottom part of my list is pretty much mirrored the top part, uh, bottom part of the site's list here. Um, Aaron Holiday, pretty raw prospect. I mean, has potential as a two-way wing. We saw a little bit of – we saw defensive uh, potential in the summer league. Uh, offense is a work in progress. And sadly, we didn't get to t- see too much of Grant Riller. He, he joined the team after summer league. They waived uh, – oh, gosh, who was it? I'm having a brain fart right now, Chris. Who's the person they waved? Um, uh, Ray John Tucker. Tucker. And then they filled his spot with Grant Riller. Riller's a score first point guard. Had a solid season in the G League last year as on a two-way contract with uh, Charlotte. Got waived this uh, past offseason, and the Sixers picked him up. Good pickup for the Sixers, considering they have point guard depth issues. But he is currently out with a meniscus tear. Um, I think we uh, – did you have those two in the same order? Uh, no. Um, so wow. I have Charles Bassey at 17 and then I, wow. have Aaron Henry, I have Aaron Henry at 16. I'll, I'll talk through it. I, it's not a slight on Bassey in my opinion. Um, it rookie centers tend to have a pretty tough job. It's hard to be like the center point of a defense when you're a rookie. Bassey has a lot of defensive potential. He averaged over three blocks a game at Western Kentucky, but that was at Western Kentucky. I, he has a, 
long way to go at the next level. I think he can make the adjustments and make the leap and be an NBA player. I definitely believe that. He has a ton of natural talent and athleticism, but I think he's going to take a little bit of time to really kick into gear. He's also, unfortunately, like the fourth or fifth center on the roster, so he's not going to get a ton of NBA time anyways, at least not early on. Um, I had Aaron Henry a few spots ahead of him on my board. I frankly think he's more NBA-ready, especially for what the Sixers need. Like, he's a good defensive wing already. The three-point shot is a question, but he's a smart player, plays hard, 6'5", long arms, good frame. Um, I, I think he's a pretty solid prospect to bank on. He's 22. He played three years at college at a really good school in Michigan State under a great coach. So that's why I have Bassey at the bottom. But I, I, I agree that the upside is there. I understand why he is at 15 on our main list. But I have him at 17. Well, <clears throat> spoiler, I have Bassey at 15 on mine. And I will say this. I think he can be NBA ready. And I've been not the biggest fan of Charles Bassey. But based off of what we saw a little bit in the summer league and every not the summer league, sorry, preseason game against Toronto and Doc Rivers comments after the um, uh, blue white game, you know, Doc doesn't think he's going to get any NBA minutes this season either. You know, he's going to develop in G League, but he thinks that Bassey's definitely an NBA center. He's uh, he's making plays that even 10 year guys can't play at make of that position. So that's certainly promising. Um but yeah, no, I, I would say, I mean, I understand where you're coming from in terms of big men usually taking more time. That's for sh- that's a known fact. Um, so having, you know, wings, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But if we're talking about who's more likely to get minutes this season, I, I mean, actually, Riller would probably be the most likely out of the, the three. But um, yeah, no, I get where you're coming from, too. That's fair. You want to just move on to 15 through uh, 13? Yep, go for it. Okay, so at 15, I have Charles Bassey. I already explained my reasons why. Jane Springer at 14, and Isaiah Joe at 13, which, looking back, Joe should probably... Looking back... You done? You kind of remind me of the old lady from The Princess Bride that's like, boo, boo. Anyway, no, um... But no, looking back, that is obviously way too low for Isaiah Joe. He should be knocking on the top 10. Um, but this was made before the preseason games where you really got to see how good he was. Um, Excuses. Um, sorry. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So uh, Bassi at 15, big man, um, takes time to develop. So, yeah, there's that. All the reasons that mean you've already listed. Jaden Springer, I think, is a very raw prospect, and and Doc Rivers talked about he doesn't even know what position, like how to use him and what position he's going to be in the NBA. So this yeah. season with the blue coats is going to be very important. He could be a shooting guard, he could be a point guard. He has the size to be either or. G, G League development is going to be key for Springer, especially due to the fact that they just have way too much depth and they're trying to win now. So getting, giving him NBA minutes is just not a, in the realm of possibility. Honestly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Riller got chance at minutes before Springer. Uh, yeah, I said Embiid at one was the only consensus, but Springer at 14 was pretty close. Um, 
That's where I have him. I have Grant Riller at 15. Uh, the guy can score the basketball. <laughs> really good in the G League last year. I have Jaden Springer at 14. And then at 13, um, I have Shake Milton. So, Oh, okay. Let's talk about 13. Let's talk about uh, 13 here for a second. Yeah. Because I, I have Isaiah Joe. I, for you have one, Shake am Milton. not afraid of speaking my truth about Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe More should be should be eleventh or tenth. I'll be I'll say this. Isaiah Joe should be eleventh or tenth. He wasn't in my list. He wasn't in I mean, I don't know where he is on your list, but he wasn't on the main sites list. That was all of our faults because we weren't ready for the truth that Joe brought us during the preseason thus far. Um the guy can shoot. Um the guy can is much better defender than last year. Added on some muscle, which we all said he needed to do. He did it. Guy can just straight up shoot, and he's probably the second best shooter on the team already, um, behind Seth Curry. To be honest, in terms of just pure percentage and being able to spot up and do do multiple things as a shooter, I think it's fair to say that Joe's probably the second best shooter behind Curry, and that's including guys like Danny Green, Maz, and Niang. Um, so my mistake on having Joe so low, but why do you have Milton so low? Hey guys, ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped with their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. Um, I mean, I feel like I talk about it every episode, so I don't know if there's a lot that I can say that hasn't already been said. Um, you know, I, I just tend to not appreciate Shake's game as much as other people. I think he's pretty significantly flawed on both sides of the ball. I don't think he's a point guard. And as long as Doc insists on playing him as a point guard, he's going to struggle. And if he is moved to a more proper role as a quote-unquote wing, I just don't think he's as good as a wing as, you know, the guys ahead of him on the roster. Um, I, I think he was really good. That is, he one a half ba- it, 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 is he bad wing or is he just not as good? I don't know. I just don't think he should be getting regular minutes. I don't think he's one of the top ten guys on the team. Um, Clearly, well, nobody does. No, no, that's true. nobody. I don't. I mean, I don't. Did anybody have Shake in their top ten? Oh yeah. We don't have to use names, but how many people had Shake within their top ten? Um, there are a couple guys who had him at nine, and a couple had him at ten. Um, me and you were the only okay. ones who had him outside the top ten, actually. So, and, and he's and he still got eleventh in the final ranking. I, I think it's because I put him at thirteen. <laughs> oh, I I okay. Him a bit. Yeah. But, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I sorry to shake. Um, I'm I'm the outlier there. 
Um, if we I mean, I had them outside of the top. I, I, you know, I had them outside of the top ten too. So like, yeah. But if we were I mean, like, I'm not. I'm. I, I. I realize that Shake's a flawed player playing out of position. I get that, but mm-hmm. I also don't think he's the thirteenth worst, thirteenth best player on the roster either. Yeah. I mean, the guy can go. The guy can go off. There's no denying it. And I think he had an off-season shooting, and he picked it up towards the end, laid an egg in the playoff. But to be fair, he wasn't the only player that laid an egg in the playoff, so I'm not going to hold that against him. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, he's certainly going we'll to get a chance. He'll, he'll get a chance to prove me wrong. That much is clear. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, I guess we can go to our top 12 through uh, 10, right? Yep, go for it. Uh, 12th, I have Beatball Paul. Um and that's just, it's not so much the skill as it is he needs reps and the fact that he's going to be behind so many other big men. And then I have Shake Milne at 11th because, uh, well, I mean, at the time, I thought Tyrese Maxey was going to be sharp starting. But now, Chris, chaos reigns because it looks like our guy Shake Milne might be the starter. We don't know yet for sure, but it seems like Doc's leaning more, more towards a little bit of Shake due to his shooting and better defense than Maxey. Because chaos reigns in the Sixers uh, organization, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, look, um, I'm really tempted to become a Hornets fan. Uh, <laughs> they got a cool team. I think James you have a cool is a pretty team. cool team. Uh, cool yeah. coach. Uh, but yeah, very possible that Shank starts. Because chaos reigns. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then at number 10, I got Korkmaz. Um yeah, I think that's... I think Korkmaz at 10 is a fair one. Because, I mean, outside of, you know, three-point shooting and being able to get in the mid-range occasionally and the fancy pa- occasional fancy pass, like, he doesn't provide too much. I mean, he got better defensively to the point where he was playable in the playoffs, so good for him. But um, I think on most teams, he would be the 10th best. On a, on a playoff team, he would be most playoff teams' 10th best player, and I think that's... Fair to say in this uh, case, too. Yeah. Um, I have Paul Reed at 12 as well. This still feels a little low. I had Isaiah Joe at 11. Um, frankly, I... So we, we we just had Joe and Shake Mick. It was flipped. Okay. Yeah, I'm still hedging my bets a bit. Um, like, projecting forward, I think Joe could very easily outplay a few of the names ahead of him on this list still. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I think he could outplay Shake and Korkmaz and get into the regular rotation. Not saying that Korkmaz should be out of it, but... Um, yeah, I mean... No, I agree. Um, but for now, just to play it safe, I have Joe at 11. And then I had Furkan at 10 as well. Again, a bit on the low side compared to most of the other rankings. I get, I get where you're coming from. So let's do six uh, at nine, eight, seven. I got Niang at nine, Danny Green at eight, and Matisse Thibel at seven. Let me go with Niang. Um, Niang is going to be the backup power forward. He's looked really good this preseason. I think he's going to have a career year scoring, assisting, rebounding. Not a great defender. We can concede that, but, I mean, he can't be worse than Mike Scott last year better shooter than mike scott better definitely better playmaker i told you the playmaking is coming chris i told you it was coming and we've seen it so far in the preseason yeah point me in the second unit i would love it 
Danny Green. This is with Danny. I'm kind of anticipating a little bit of a step back, maybe not a full loss of a step, but maybe like a half or a quarter step. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we only saw Danny for like 24 minutes a game this season to help preserve him for the playoffs. But also like I you know the shooting is important. As long as the shooting's there, he's going to get minutes. Um, but defensively, I mean, he was clearly outmatched against square guards like. Uh, Trey Young in the playoffs, but I mean he's still serviceable defensively, and he'll be the he'll be the starting small forward as as far as we can tell. And then I I'm kind of edging my bets on Matisse Thybul taking a bigger leap this year offensively. It would be nice for him to be able to hit a decent clip of three pointers at a good percentage. Um, but defensively, he's going to be the most important defender on this team for sure, outside of Joel. So that's that's where I got him at. What about your uh, 9 through 7? Yeah, um, I have Niang at 9 as well for all the reasons that you said. I think he's going to be more important than a lot of fans recognize. Um, it's clear that Doc Rivers kind of envisioned him as an aide to Ben Simmons in those second unit groups. That probably will not come to fruition because Ben is not with the team. But he's still mm-hmm. really important, really valuable, does a lot of the little things well offensively and is one of the three or four best shooters on the team, a team that right now has quite a few good shooters. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think putting him over Korkmaz should be, is fairly comfortable. It's only one spot for both of us, but I, I didn't have any real second thoughts about that. I think he's a better player. Um, I have Andre Drummond at number eight. I know mm. that's where we probably disagree the most here. Um so I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a second. I have Matisse at number seven as well. Obviously, he's just flat out one of the best defenders on planet Earth already. Mm-hmm. If he can become remotely competent on the offensive end to where he can play more than 20, 25 minutes a night on a regular basis, then he's going to shoot up this list a good bit. But for now, I have him at seven. I know I've been a bit more skeptical about the offense in the past than you and Uriah. But even so, like, he led the team in steals and blocks last year, playing 20 minutes a night as a 6-5 wing. He, he's a pretty absurd defender. So a lot of good already from him, and I expect him to continue doing good things next season. Certainly, certainly. And we'll get into the Andre Drummond debate because we're about to go 6-4. through four. Uh, At 6, I got Tyrese Maxey, score first point guard off the, you know, po- po- possibly off the bench or in the starting unit. Still needs work playmaking. We saw that in the preseason. He's not a dynamic playmaker yet. He's still score first guy. Kind of reminds me of a young Reggie Jackson in some respects. He went back when he was on the Thunder. You know what I mean? Um, maybe not as proficient as a three-point shooter, but all the other aspects for sure. Um, and then number five, I have Andre Drummond. Um, I have Drummond at five, and we can debate this. In terms of pure skill and being able to win a game for you, Drummond is the that player because he's going to be the most important player when Joel's out. Because what he and he showed it in the first preseason game, he can dominate a game for you know a half or three quarters. Like he can do that for you in terms of rebounding, defending the paint scoring off of, you know, offensive boards or lobs or, you know, getting around the, you know, layups. He's not, he he's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. He makes some boneheaded decisions, you know, passing the ball or 
you know, gets lost on defense every now and then. And that's why he needs to rehabilitate himself as a, you know, big man and, you know, as a possible starter on the Sixers this year. But don't get it twisted. He's he's more skilled and more, you know, he was an all-star a few years ago. And last season, before he sat for the um, for the Cavaliers, he was playing at an all-star level. Granted, when he came back and I will say out of shape for the Lakers, he didn't look nearly as good. But the skill is there, and he's more skilled of a player. Uh, maybe, maybe Matt Thibel's a better defender, but more of a complete skilled player than any of the guys ahead of him, uh, behind him on that my list anyway. So that's that's my argument for Drummond. And do you want to rebuttal before I get to Curry? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Obviously he has an all-star appearance on his resume. He's a very talented player. It's a bit tricky because his role is going to be so limited in Philadelphia whenever Joel plays. I do disagree though with the idea that he's the most important player when Joel sits. Um, like I, I still think Tobias and Seth and probably even like Danny and Maxie are pretty clearly going to be more important even when Joel sits. Um, Drummond will have his games where he puts up numbers, and I think he's a much more competent starter than like Dwight Howard was last season. I think he's a huge upgrade. I, I don't want to, to undersell his ability to, as you said, put up numbers, dominate a game or a half, as he has already done in the preseason. He's a very talented player, but I do think there is a reason at the end of the day that he's in Philly on a minimum contract to back up the best center in the league. It's that he has some pretty serious flaws. He has not always been the most consistent competitor. We'll see if that changes. Obviously, the hope is that it does. It, he has every reason to have a chip on his shoulder and to compete harder this season. But the defense tends to come and go a lot. The offense is a, more often than not a very mixed bag. Um, he'll do some incredible things because he's super big and super athletic. But as you said, he can also be a bit boneheaded at times and turn the ball over and muck up the offense and just like the gears will just grind to a halt sometimes and it can be problematic. Um, I, I, I just don't know if I can put him higher than eight in context of Philadelphia's roster. I, I get putting him at five. I don't think that's like absurd or unreasonable, but I, I mean, I think having Danny at eight is where I would disagree more than having Drummond at five. I, I, I Even if Danny takes like a half step back, I think he's going to be still more important than that or still better than that. But we'll, we'll see. He is getting old. He is 34. But I don't have a huge problem with Drummond at five, but I'm just not quite there yet. Um, we'll see. OK, fair enough. And fair enough on both uh, players. And then Curry, number four, obviously, if if. The playoffs were not just an admiration, and we see Curry average J.J. Redick-type numbers next season, which is totally possible, in my opinion. You know, obviously, he would be pushing for that third spot, um, depending on what number three does. But I I think Curry is the fourth-best player. Was there any disagreements on Curry being the fourth-best player? Uh, One person had Danny at four. Oh, wow, okay. so it's almost unanimous there. Um, uh, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA in terms of percentage. We would like the volume to go up more, but the percentage is there. 
Uh, I think there's more to his offensive game that we just haven't been able to see in years past just because he's been pegged into a role. I think we could see a you know career year from him like we could see from a lot of guys here just because Simmons is not going to be there. Um, but yeah, I think Curry is fourth best player. I don't think there's much more to say about that. Yeah, um, I have Tyrese at six as well. Obviously a very talented young player who's going to be an important part of this team, whether he starts or not. Um, I will say, though, I do think there is a bigger chance than people are maybe uh, thinking that he just is not the sixth best player on the team yet. Like, he's going to have some off nights. Like, I, I think it's very possible that he is like seven, eight or nine when we do this you know, at the all-star break, there's also a chance he's at four. So it, it could go either way. I think he, he, he has probably all- the biggest boom or bust in, in this list. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Like I think he's clearly a player and I think he's clearly going to be part of the rotation and be an important part of the rotation. We'll see how he does as either a starter or like a full-time sixth man. Cause again, last season he averaged 15 minutes a game in the regular season. He was just not on the floor very often, especially after the All-Star break, Doc Rivers really went away from him for reasons that, you know, right or wrong, uh, that's up for debate. But we just didn't see a ton of Maxi last season. Um, obviously, he did very well in the playoffs, got those opportunities late, in part because the guys in front of him just weren't playing very well. So we'll see what happens. But I, I do have him at six. I My hopes are high. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's a really talented, special prospect already one of the best like driving slashing guards really in the NBA as far as just getting into the paint and doing stuff at the rim. He's very special in that regard. So I, I have high hopes, but I do want to temper expectations a little bit. Um, I have Danny Green at number five, which is where he is on the consensus list. I will say I personally thought pretty hard about maybe putting him at four. Obviously, I have Seth at four. I think that's still a conversation I think until the playoffs, most people would have had Danny ahead of Seth last season. I believe that mm. is was the case when we did our midseason rankings last year. Um, well, I think well, well mix? Yeah. Sorry, go um, ahead. No, I just think Danny was flat out like a better player last season. Obviously, the playoffs gave us new information. And if we are going to read into preseason at all, Seth has carried over some of that aggression. If Seth is looking for his shot more, being a bigger part of the offense, then I think he's pretty clearly number four. Like Seth is a generational shooter and a really great role player who has the potential to expand a little bit beyond that. That's obviously what I'm kind of expecting or hoping for. I have him at four. I have him ahead of Danny. Danny is also probably going downhill a bit quicker than Seth is at this point in their career. If anything, Seth might still be going uphill, as we've discussed in recent episodes, so mm-hmm. that's part of it, but I I don't think the one guy who had Danny at four is, is, is crazy. I think that's a reasonable argument. I think Danny is still a really good off-ball defender, and his communication skills are very important to the Sixers' defense. We'll see what he does without Ben on the floor. I think that's going to put him in some tough spots um, where maybe Doc asks him to do things that he can't do anymore, but still a very good defender when he's optimized and used correctly and still the second or third best shooter on the team, a really good spot up shooter. Who's going to take a lot of threes, make quick decisions with the ball and be an important part of that starting five. Well, I'll say this. 
Um, and you're, you know, it's fair to have Danny at number five. I mean, honestly, five through eight for me was kind of fluid. It just, I had to think about it, who has the best overall skill. And for Danny, what makes him so valuable is that he's a two-way player. But if either one of those things even regress a little bit more than what they already have in the past couple of years, it's it's not good for the team. Because if his shooting regresses to like 37, 36%, not great. Defense, if oh, it I'm regresses anymore. Like, I, I don't see any reason to expect his shooting to drop. Oh, I mean, off. he did struggle. He did struggle in LA, but. Um, my my point is the defense. If that if that goes from above average to average, that that puts him roughly in the same boat as like Corkmaz or Joe. To be honest with you, and that's that's where I think Danny could really drop off the, the, on the defensive side. I, I definitely think that's fair. It's definitely a concern. We'll obviously see how the regular season goes, but I mean I think for now I'm pretty comfortable keeping him in the top five. It's you mm-hmm. know until it happens sort of thing um i think it's possible mm-hmm. that he drops outside the top five but for now that's where i have him but do you want to mm-hmm. just go ahead and run down your top three we have the yeah. same top three it seems pretty obvious to me yeah tobias number three ben number two joel number one tobias borderline all-star last year uh almost part of the uh 50 40 90 club uh, if it wasn't for a late stretch and at the end of the season where he kind of just lost some of the aggression due to some injuries, um, I think he could have been a part of that club. Um, ben Simmons, despite not being with the team, despite all of his offensive woes, is still one of the best defenders in the league and a, a pretty elite playmaker, too. So he has to be number one, uh, number two. And then number one, Joel, he's an MVP candidate. And honestly, he could be a favorite based off of you know, Ben not being there, his volume, you know, having to, you know, his volume of shots having to increase to carry the offensive load. I mean, we could see a 30 and 12 season from Joel this year. We could see, I mean, we almost saw a lot. We saw it for a stretch of last year. And as long as he stays healthy, I mean, it could happen again this year. Um, I agree. I think Joel is pretty well positioned for another MVP type of season. If he can stay healthy. Um, I, I don't think he's going into the season as the favorite, quote-unquote. No, no. I think I, Jokic and Luka would be at the top of my list if I was guessing, like, favorites. But Joel is certainly in the conversation. I I mean, I will say Joel's better than both of them defensively. And the only thing that those two have on Joel is the playmaking. So, Yeah, for sure. He's, he's yeah. one of the best defenders on the planet. Um, for Tobias... A couple of people had Tobias at number two. I know, you know, the playoffs are fresh in our minds and been sitting out and people are upset at him and he's maybe not as good as we thought he was. But I will say, I think Ben is pretty clearly better than Tobias still. Um, I, yeah. I don't think it's particularly close. We went through my top 100 a few weeks ago. I had Tobias at 55 and Ben at 32. Like, I think there's a pretty wide gap between those two. Um, yeah, I can get the argument for saying it's not as, you know, that wide a gap, but I, I would push back pretty hard on the idea that Tobias is on the same level or better than Ben. No, he's not. Ben's a bona fide all-star. Tobias is a borderline all-star. And that's yeah. really only been for the past, like, three seasons for Tobias. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, ben, one of the two or three best defenders on the planet, arguably, 
obviously a great playmaker, one of the best transition playmakers in the league. And despite his many, 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 many offensive flaws, still a pretty good finisher inside when he wants to be. I mean, obviously the problem is he doesn't always want to be or he doesn't always attack. But when he does attack and he plays with confidence, he's pretty uh, remarkable. Um, like if he returns for, you know, which seems more likely now than maybe it did a couple weeks ago, it will very clearly benefit the Sixers. Like they would like to have him for a reason. He's much better than Tyrese Maxey still or Shake Milton as the starting point guard. There's a reason that Philly is so reluctant to trade him despite this trade request. It's because he's a really talented and gifted player. He has four years left on his contract, too. That's part of it. But um, Ben's still really good. I I think he's a pretty clear number two. Um, It's obviously he's not playing, so he probably won't be the quote-unquote second best player next season for Philly. But just in a vacuum, when he is there, He's the number two guy, and I think it's pretty clear. That's our Sixers ranking. Lucas, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into our social media question of the week? I mean, we could talk about who has the biggest chance to rise and who has the biggest chance to fall on this list. Yeah. Who do you think has the biggest chance to rise at, at the halfway point of the season? Uh, I mean, like to state the obvious, Isaiah Joe, like, there's a world in which Isaiah Joe is like five or six by the end of the season. Um, that's like obviously a very optimistic view on things, but the base skills are there. He's an absurdly good shooter. He shoots a whole lot of threes, which is really valuable in Philly's offense, just taking a lot. And he's been a really good defender in what limited samples we've seen. We'll see if that holds up over an entire NBA season against real NBA rotation players. But in the little bit that we've seen, he's been like a really solid, above average at times defender, which just was not the case at Arkansas. You mentioned that he's put on muscle. It it seems like he's just worked really hard to get better on that side of the ball. And his effort level, especially in like preseason, has been pretty impressive. So there's a lot to like there. He's clearly fighting to get into the rotation. Doc Rivers has even mentioned that Joe is knocking on the door. Um, We'll see if, you know, Doc actually lets him open it but joe is i right think there. I, I think there's gonna have to be an injury and then once that injury happens he'll get his shot and then afterwards he's gonna hold on to the spot i think that's probably what's gonna have to happen very possible but my general theory is that there shouldn't need to be an injury i think he's like i have him at 11 obviously hedging my bets a bit but I expect to have him above 11 next time we do this list. I think that's a very realistic expectation. I think he's a really good player. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I would say Joe as well for all the reasons you just stated. I don't think I need to really expound on that too much. Um, And then my biggest person the fall, I would say, well, I hope that Ben Simmons isn't on the list. I'm not going to say Simmons. I hope it's somebody else or other people. But I'm going to say, like I said before, I think Danny Green has the biggest chance to fall here. If his defense starts lagging off, I mean, there's a good chance he is he is like 9 through 11 at that point. It just depends on how much his defense holds up, holds up in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think Danny is certainly an interesting one and maybe would be my pick too. If I was going to go somewhere else, I think an interesting idea to tinker with I, 
I mean, obviously, he's just so important defensively without Ben. But I don't think Matisse Thibel has been quite as, you know, good as people have said he is like the past few years. Like, he's, he's clearly good. He's a great defender. I get it. But he's, like, obviously a problem offensively. And that's... Trying to get Uriah to get into a fight with you next podcast. I, I don't think he's going like, to tumble down the list. But it would not shock me entirely if, like, by season's end, if we're putting Isaiah Joe over Matisse Thibel, I don't think that would be insane. Like, I don't want to keep banging the Isaiah Joe drum prematurely because this could all look really dumb in a few months. But Isaiah Joe is a guy who could shoot up and, like, bump Matisse down a spot if he's still just not doing anything at all offensively. Uh, you know, Georges Niang is going to demand minutes this year in a way Mike Scott did not. There's a world once Niang maybe is playing more minutes tonight than Matisse. I think that's possible. Mm. Um, like, Matisse could be eight or nine, I think, when the season ends, and that's not really, like, Matisse's fault, but even when you're one of the best defenders on the planet, you need to do something offensively to play more than 20 minutes a night. So that's not who I thought you were going to say, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think you... it's likely. I think I'll probably keep Matisse at like that six or seven range just because he's so good defensively, but it's an interesting thought. Um, I thought you were going to say Drummond and bump up B-ball Paul. That's, that's who I thought you were going to go for. Yeah. I, I just don't think Drummond's going to get, played out of the rotation or anything this season. Um, I, I just, unless Ben returns, I think there's a chance we see a lot of that small ball group with Niang at the five or whatever, or ben yeah. at the five and Niang at the four. Like if yeah. Ben returns, Ben and Drummond is kind of a funky duo. And if Doc truly wants to stagger more with Ben and Joel, then maybe we're getting to the point where Drummond just doesn't play as much. Um, yeah. Well, and, and Doc, did, there was, it was reported that Doc, when they went to LA and talked to Ben, they were like, Hey, we're going to treat you more like Giannis and stagger your minutes more and let you be like five out. So yeah, that, yeah. that could happen if Ben comes but, back, but I just don't see that happening too yeah. often. But assuming Ben is pretty much out the door, I, I think we're going to get a pretty steady dose of Drummond. And I do agree with you generally that he's a really good player just raw talent-wise. He's an absurd athlete. He's maybe the best rebounder in the NBA. And when he wants to be, he's like a genuinely elite defender. Um, we'll see how often he wants to be, and we'll see what the offense looks like on a regular basis. But the talent is there for him to be even better than number eight, maybe even like five or six like you had him. So, Well, and, and here's the thing with Drummond. Even if you don't have the offense run through him, he could still average 12 points a night just off of offense rebounds and running, yeah. you know, running pick and rolls. And that's the that's, thing. Like, you absolutely should not be running the offense through Drummond, generally speaking. Obviously, yeah, he's not a good, he's not a good post up player. Like, he's not, he a, doesn't have touch. He does yeah. not have touch. Philly's in a that tough being spot. said, he, that, that being said, he can overpower a lot of guys and just get to the basket that way, but he's not a great free shooter which is a problem yeah that's true i i mean he's been a pretty bad finisher for someone as big and athletic as he is in the past like he shot below 50 percent from the field last season which just should not be the case for someone as big and athletic I, I, as he I, is to be fair he was doing good in cleveland before they sat him i think that long layoff really screwed it with his head and his physical fitness because he just looks so out of shape maybe but like traditionally he's just not been a super efficient no 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 you don't want to post him up no you run bigger roles for him 
Yeah, he needs to it. like buy into the pick and roll stuff and be more of a role player, quote unquote. That you know, honestly, he kind of, you know, he kind of reminds reminds me of Dwight when Dwight was like, you know, wanted to post up more in Orlando and L.A. and Houston, and we're just like, no, Dwight, just pick and roll. You're really good at that. Just stick to that. If he if he embraced the Clint Capella type of role, Drummond would be getting so many more calls for for a starting job. Yeah, I I agree. Um, we'll just see how it goes. Um, I yeah. I think Drummond could go either way. Uh, obviously, Philly's in a bit of a tough spot. Like you don't want to run the offense through him, but if they're not staggering, they don't really have another point guard outside of Ben. It's like Tyrese and Shake. You're gonna have to run some of this triple handoffs and stuff, which we saw in the first preseason game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. I mean, I mean, you could post you could post them up like two or three times a night. I wouldn't do any more than that. If he if you get him on three post ups and he's struggling, don't post him up anymore. But if he's dominating his matchup, just try it a few more times. See what happens. But I mean, yeah. matchup is is part of the like he's not good against the traditional bigs like Joel. I mean, Marcus Hall's not in the league anymore. But guys like that, like he would struggle against Valanciunas and Stephen Adams offensively. But small ball lineups, Drummond would destroy inside the paint, in my opinion. But yeah, we, they would play him off the court, though. So well, defensively, so it's kind of like pick your poison there. Yeah. And one more thing that I would like to say is that I think Doc Rivers should take the Mike Budenhoser approach and not worry about so many wins during the regular season and experiment with having D-Ball Paul or George's Niang as the small ball five so that you could look at different, so that you have different looks in the playoffs to where, you know, you can't play Dwight Howard in and in against the Hawks because he just can't do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, a guy can dream. Um, yeah, I can dream. I, sure I really that. hope that's the case, but I am skeptical. <laughs> um, I I think one more player worth mentioning, and I'm I'm really interested to see where we have Jaden Springer after the season. I obviously he's just probably not going to play a lot. He's going to spend a lot. Yeah, of time we're going to have to do. Yeah, we're going to have to do a blue coats uh, check like once or once a week or once every other week just to keep up with their stats. To be honest with you, because. Uh, Charles Bassey and Springer are going to get almost all their minutes there. And yeah. those two prospects are, need to be, you know, watched as well as the two-way players as well. And the thing with Springer is I feel like it's really easy to kind of underappreciate his game because he's not a very flashy player. He doesn't put up big scoring numbers. He's not like a run-jump great athlete. But he's a really sturdy and solid all around player already at 18. Like he's a good defender. I would say right mm-hmm. now, like a really good on ball defender and off ball defender who knows how to use his frame. And he's a pretty smart guy with the basketball. He's not a point guard. He shouldn't be running the offense. So you he, don't think he's a point guard. You think he should be a shooting guard? Well, he, he shouldn't be the only ball in on the floor, but he makes smart plays with the ball he moves the ball well he cuts he screens he does the little things like pretty do you think he could yeah do you think I he think, could develop into one or do you think he's just pigeonholed as a shooting guard uh, again i struggle with like like what is a point guard and a shooting guard technically it depends on who else is on the roster who's the point guard you know who's the shooting guard etc okay. Et okay but i i think there's a real case like i had him 15 on my board my draft board for a reason. I think he's a really good player, 
and he's young, and I think everyone in Philly knew ahead of time that it's going to take a year or two for him to click. But I think there's a chance with whatever little amount we see this season that he can rise up a few spots by the end, um, whether it's just playing really solid basketball in the G League, whether it's injuries, you know, shoving him into the rotation a bit early for a few games. I'm interested to see if Springer is like 11 or 12 or 10 next summer or if he's still at 14. Um, that'll be an interesting yes. thing to monitor. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I, I wish, I hope this isn't true, but I'm kind of getting some Zaire Smith vibes right now. And I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. When you look at the guards that went after him. Well, I mean, the thing with Zaire is he like almost died. I, I just don't know if we can use that as a real fair point of comparison. But even if you, let's just look at the raw skill. He had no ball handling. He was a power forward in college. And you tried to play him as a shooting guard. Well, it just Springer, wasn't going to work. Springer's it just wasn't going to work. Way more skilled, like Springer. Way more and I'm skilled. not denying. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying I think it's going to take some time. And I think the league kind of gave up on Sayer a little bit early too. But that's not the point. Um, I just I, I'm looking at guys. You know, we could talk about Sharif Cooper, which I know you were very high on. We could have gotten him. We could have gotten um, Miles McBride or Jared Butler, who looked good thus far in summer league in preseason as well. I mean, yeah. I get that the upside for Springer is pretty high, but we're trying to win a championship now. Well, like, we don't is, really have... Jared Butler and Miles McBride aren't playing minutes for you next season either. Um, like, Fair. Philly, you have your rotation pretty much set. You're going to get a veteran or two every offseason. But if, if you Why have Sharif Cooper, would you... Uh, well, let me ask you. If you got any of those three guys, would they be playing over Shake Milton for you? Uh, like... Cooper? Cooper? Okay, so you got Cooper. I, I don't what know. A- like, no, I don't know about Cooper. I, I think he needs some time, too. Um, I He's probably, quote-unquote, closer. May, is he closer than Jaden Springer? Because Shreve Cooper is going to be really bad on defense. So they're, like, gives and takes with all these guys. I think Cooper's really special. I had him a couple spots ahead of Springer. I would have been just as thrilled to get Shreve Cooper. And obviously, he had a much flashier offseason um, than Springer did. Um, but, like, I would take Springer over Jared Butler and Miles McBride right now, every day of the week. I, I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't I don't know, Chris. I don't I, I mean, I get the upside, but it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like this team is really trying to develop players anymore. If they did, they probably wouldn't have given up on Zaire Smith as quickly as they did. And I mean, what was it? Two seasons for Smith. That was it. One season yeah. in which he literally was recovering from, as you said, almost dying. He was only mostly dead. Look, I, I think Zaire, it's there. safe to say Zaire was like a big miss. I, I don't think Springer is that. If he is, that'll be unfortunate. But, I but, but my, my, my point is, is point yeah. Yeah. Well, I first off, like I said, I don't think the NBA gave. Zaire a fair shot. Um, I think given time to develop, he could have been okay. But we don't even know where he's playing at right now. Or if he's playing. Last time we saw him, he was doing a student film or something. Who knows? Um, um, so let's, let's... Yeah, let's, let's get just, into social media. Let's do it. Our social media question of, of the week was, who do you predict 
will be the biggest surprise this season. Sort of goes along with what we've been talking about. The four options were Isaiah Joe, George Niang, Tyrese Maxey, and Andre Drummond. Um, in fourth place was Drummond at 13.3%. In third place was George's Niang at 17.5%. Maxey was third at 23.3%. In a pretty commanding favorite, first place, Isaiah Joe. Obviously, a lot of people have liked what they have seen these couple of preseason games. Hopefully, we aren't all collectively putting too much stock into preseason games. But what are your thoughts there, um, Lucas? Obviously, Doc has been talking up Joe quite a bit lately. There's a lot of momentum there towards him maybe getting some chances in the rotation. Who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise, though? Is it Joe? Is I, I, that- yeah, yeah. I I think the the fans got this one right. And you know what kind of reminds me of this Isaiah Joe hype, like similar to last year, is when everybody was getting so hyped about Taylor Horde Tucker. Kind of reminds me of that same type of hype. Only Tucker got the national coverage because he's on the Lakers. Do I think it could? I don't think. It could happen. I think next year is when he's going to get that really big role. Because I think, uh, especially if Danny struggles next season, uh, next offseason, I think he has a team option on his contract, right? Or is it not? No, it's not fully guaranteed until Sunday. It's basically a team option. Yeah. So, anyway, so, I mean, is there a way that Joe could get minutes? Yeah, but. It could be more of a Taylor and Horton Tucker thing where we just see flashes of him, you know. And but uh, yeah, I think it's I think for sure because everybody's expecting Maxi to take a leap. George's Niang is going to have a better year. Andre Drummond. The only way he could surprise us is by looking worse, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, the obvious choice here is Isaiah Joe, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean. Like you said, Drummond is pretty much pigeonholed into the number two center spot. He can't really do anything besides that. You can't play him with Joel. You can really probably not play him with Ben if Ben does come back. So it's hard to say Drummond here. Um, Like you said, expectations are pretty high for Maxi. I think the biggest surprise would be Maxi just not being very good. Um, uh, He would have to be like pretty spectacular for people to be like oh wow i didn't see this coming at all you know i mean we 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 all projected him to be a starter and produce starter level point guard production at like between 14 and 16 points between four and six assists like everyone wants maxi to start that is like a consensus opinion in the fan base so there are they expect the expectations are already really high um with Niang, I think he's going to be really good. I think he probably will surprise some people who just don't know him very well from his days in Utah, but he's going to be the backup four. I don't really think it's going to be much more than that. Like, he can only surprise I, I would, so much. I, I would say this. I wouldn't be surprised if, if somebody gets injured, if Doc experiments him at the starting three or puts Tobias at the starting three and play them both together. Um, sometimes I think that could happen on occasion, even without Ben on the roster. But yeah, yeah, I think you're pretty spot on there. But yeah, I think the basic thing here is those three are already guaranteed minutes. Isaiah Joe's not. Isaiah Joe's coming from the bottom of the rotation. He was a second round pick, didn't play much last year. Um, I don't know if it was Kyle Newbeck or Derek Bodner who was like, bold take, Isaiah Joe might be starting by next season. That's what I, yeah, that that was the Twitter person. I was, I think it was Derek. 
Yeah. No, Kyle. I, it was Kyle. I'm I'm kind of know. on board with that as like yeah. a bold prediction. I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Like the Sixers need that high level shooter in the starting five next to whether you know it's Danny regressing hypothetically, even with Seth. They really do need like two good shooters next to Joel. That's the best way to run the offense. Isaiah Joe is a pretty natural replacement for Danny. He takes as many or more threes a game. He's a great spot of shooter. He moves and cuts sort of like Danny, if not more than Danny. He's a he's developing as a defender. And yeah, he's a much better defender than Furkan's gonna be, frankly. Furkan would be the next obvious guy. And 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 Seth. Like there's a world where I could see and this is a world where, you know, Shake Milton's out of the rotation, so I know you would love it. But you move Seth to that second unit point guard position and have Joe and Green starting together. Yeah, sure. Like, I buy it. I, I, it feels a bit early. Like, I don't want to put all my eggs in the Isaiah Joe basket after two preseason games. But I, yeah. I've been pretty high on Joe from day one, like, out of Arkansas. I thought he should have been a first-round pick, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this is a long time coming for me. I don't think... I'm reacting to two preseason games. I think Isaiah just... No, no, no. I, I, I mean, he struggled a little bit in the G League bubble his rookie year, but, like, outside of that, I mean, he's shown pretty good yeah. flash. I mean, he's just an elite shooter. Like, that's yeah. a skill that's pretty easy to bank on, and he's been a good defender in what we've seen. Like, like if he's a solid defender and he's an elite shooter, it's hard not to imagine him having a role and being productive. Like, that, those are just two skills that are pretty valuable in the NBA. And if you can check both boxes and you do one of them at an extremely he, high level. He has the chance to be one of those role players that have a 15-year career yeah, because guys, of his shooting. Isaiah Joe took over 10 threes a game in Arkansas. Yeah. And on a permanent basis, he is matching that like rate in the NBA. The dude is just chucking up threes, and he makes a pretty good amount of them. Like He's a great, great he's shooter. He's good to play in the G League this year. He's too good not to be playing in the NBA. Like, I yes. frankly think that's where we're at. And hopefully yes. Doc gets there sooner than later. It seems like he's open to it because he keeps talking about it. We'll, we'll see. I, 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 you know, I, I struggle with Doc. I, I really hope he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, oh, well, and here's the thing, Chris. I'll, I'll say this. I think his, based off of how we saw Doc use Joe last year. If he's going to supplant anybody in the rotation, it's going to be Cork Moss because he almost did it last year. And then Cork Moss went on his tear because he's like, no, you're not taking my spot. I agree. I think <laughs> so, Cork Moss so and Cork- are the two guys that Doc would be looking at. Well, I don't Probably think Doc's taking out. I'm not. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think Thibault's going out just because he's so good defensively. I agree. It'd probably be Cork Moss. It should be Shake. Yeah. I'm reiterating. Shake should not be playing. Um, you can play Joe and Cork Moss together. It'd be wonderful. Um, but yeah, it would probably be Cork Moss. Yeah. Obviously, it's a bit awkward because you just signed Cork Moss to the extension, but Joe's really good. I think he's legit. I think he'll play before the season's over. I, I'm comfortable. Oh, let, projecting. Let, me, let, let me run you my ideal second unit. if Because I don't know if Shake should be playing either. Let's just say, for argument's sake, you don't start Shake. I mean, you you don't start Curry. Curry goes to second unit as the point guard, and then you have a second unit of. Let me just throw out here, because I would think that they would probably start Corkmaz before Joe, just because Corkmaz has more equity there. Um, 
So your second unit, you could have Niang running, you know, point forward because I think he can be that. I know you're not quite as high on his playmaking as I am, but I am. And then you have three shooters with Curry, Joe, and uh, who, who's oh, and then Thibault. Thibault's not really a shooter, but not but you still have Thibault. And then you have Drummond at the center, and you can run pick and rolls or. Honestly, that second unit could look similar to what the Gold State Warriors do, to be honest, in some ways, if you have Curry come in on that second unit. So that's just a thought. Or Maxi. Anyway, that's that's just a thought. Any any rebuttal to that? Yeah, I mean, I think what probably should happen is just start Tyrese at point guard and then bench shake and then stagger Seth, Tyrese, and Tobias and do ball handling, quote-unquote, by committee. It's less important when you have Joel to kind of anchor things in the half court. Like, ideally, you'd have a really good point guard, but the Sixers don't. Shake is not really giving you much as a quote unquote primary initiator. So just do it by committee, do what you can. I think Joe would give you more than Shake right now on both sides of the ball. Not to keep beating a dead horse, but yeah. The horse is already yeah. bones, Chris. The cor- horse is so dead, it's, there's nothing left but bones. But The major uh, theme of this podcast <laughs> is give IJ Joe some minutes, please. Um, and uh, one other thing I'm going to say, without Ben, we could see up to five assists a game from Joel this season. Joel's been talking about being more of a playmaker. That's you could see more of we could see up to five assists a game. I think it's possible now the turnovers would go up higher too, just because teams double team him so often. And yeah, he's not. He, but at the same time, five assists a game from Joel is not unheard of for this season either, especially with all the double teams he's going to get. Like he's either teams are going to have to double team him and just hope the shooters miss, or just let him bake down low in the post. Like, without Ben, those are their only two options. As long as you can have somebody that can do an entry pass, which, guess what? Danny Green used to play with Tim Duncan, so he knows how to do an entry pass. It's wonderful. Um, it's going to be a problem. Like, as long as you can have somebody entry pass for Joel, and I think we'll see a lot more pick and rolls from Joel this year, too. So, yeah. it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be uh, five assists. Bold prediction, Joel B will be averaging five assists a game this season. That is my bold prediction of the year. Yeah, I like it. Um, I'm pretty excited, too. Probably shouldn't be. But, you know, Sixers basketball is back. We'll see how long it takes for them to rip our hearts out. Uh, Cynical. So cynical. I mean, we kind of know it's coming. but uh, Unless, unless... Unless the superstar becomes available, then one one can only hope. We can only we can only dream. Um, what dreams may come. Yeah. So let's wrap things up. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. If you can, please like, subscribe, review, leave a comment, etc. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Audible, all that stuff, Google Play, wherever you get your pods, please do that. Leave that review. It would really help us out. You can also listen and read our work on the site, thesixersense.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, engage with our social media questions of the week and such at Sixersense, and on Facebook at Sixersense. So do all that. And until later this week, 
we hope everyone has a, a good one. Um, the season's right around the, the corner. It's very exciting. <laughs> so have a good one, everyone. Thank you. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> All right. <laughs>